0: How to fill the tank? I am wrapping this up today. Praise God. Everybody say, praise God. You have no idea how long this, this uh, sermon topic has gone. Not just fill the tank, but this whole thing between the ditches. And today is the end of it. So hallelujah. I'm glad. I always like to get done. Um, how do you fill your tank? We've, we've looked at three things so far. First of all, you've got to get fed up. Enough's enough. With whatever's going on in your life, you may feel like, man, it's just not what God says my life should be. Okay, then get fed up and change. God doesn't change. God doesn't need to change. It's all been done. You need to get on board with him. If things aren't lining up, then it's probably because you're off track. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the situation and change. I want you to know it's, it's such a hard thing to have a lifestyle change doesn't just happen. It is hard. Life will fight you. Your physical body will fight you and Satan will fight you. It is a war out there to make a change, but I want you to know the spirit of God is in you. No temptation is stronger than you. God will not tempt you with anything that's stronger that you can handle. His grace is sufficient and he will walk with you, but you have to walk. It does not just happen. The waters don't just part. You have to walk. Get fed up. Can you hear I'm fed up? Second, come to Jesus. We're going to look at that scripture again. You get fed up. Where do you go when you get fed up? You go get fed. Go get fed from the right source. Come to Jesus. Third, if you want to get caught up here, go back and listen to the podcasts. Give up control. I had somebody in our Sunday school class again this morning was talking about the challenges that we walk through. And he just said, you know, the main thing is really is that we just want to control everything. And as long as you're in control, God isn't. And we need to allow God to be in control. Finally today, I've got two more I'm going to share with you today, and we're going to finish. You've got to learn to trust. You've got to learn to trust. Matthew 29, this has been our our verse uh, for the last couple weeks. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look what he says. He says, learn. Learn from me. And I've got to admit, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been saved over 40 years. And I've never understood how gentleness and humility can lower my stress. I don't get that. He goes, learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm humble. I'm going, I don't get it. I don't see how that fills up my my tank. And then it says, I'll find rest for my soul. But Jesus modeled how to live with purpose and with peace. That's why he says in this fourth step to reduce overload is to follow Jesus' model. What is he saying? Take my yoke because I am gentle and humble. I think we we could maybe infer, so just walk with me just for a second, This isn't scripture, this is me trying to kind of translate, take my yoke because your yoke is messed up, and my yoke is going to be different than you because I'm gentle and humble. I'm not. As humble and gentle as I think I am, compared to Christ, not even close. Let me pause for a second because I do this every single time. Somebody gives me instructions, and I just don't do it. Before you leave, when we dismiss and before you go get your snack, snack time after church. Um, You know when you win a ball game or you lose a ball game and you go to uh, McDonald's? That's what that is. We're going to go get a snack and enjoy our time together before we go home. We are going to be nominating deacons next Sunday. So come up and get an eligible deacon nomination list before you leave and be praying about that this week such a big deal that we hear God and that the right people be put in place, but I want you to know God puts leadership in place. God's got this. God's got our church, and God is moving in our church. It's been incredible the last month or so. So let me back up. Take my yoke, because your yoke is too heavy and you can't handle it. Take my yoke, because when you link up with me, I'm humble and gentle. And when you yoke up with that, you will find rest for your soul. Now, I want to encourage you for a second because learning is a process. How many of you have to learn a new skill sometimes at work? And it doesn't just happen. It takes time. Elizabeth and I just had to get two truckloads of mulch, not mulch, topsoil, to put in our hole. If y'all don't know, we've had a foundation uh, leak and had to dig out all this stuff. Our basement, it's been a real event. And uh, we're finally topping it all off with topsoil. So Elizabeth and I had to learn, first of all, had to learn how to, put, how to get dirt out of a truck. <laughs> Elizabeth, and she's, she's down here talking, but I'm not listening right now. We had to learn how to get dirt... No, no, hang on. I, I, okay. She, she's trying to say she did the first load by herself, which she did. She did. So she knew how to do everything. The right way. And the only way. So I go and get another load in the mor- Saturday morning and we start unloading and she and I had to learn how to unload. I, I guess I had to learn her way. But it was a process. It did not happen right at first. In fact, there's quite a bit of yelling, most of it by me. And then I finally said, hey, we're working well together. And she said, yeah, it's because you're doing it the way I said to do it. (laughs) Oh, it was totally not a joke. Whatever. But that's what God's saying here is I've got a way if you'll line up with the way that I'm telling you to do it, not only is it going to go easier, but you're going to find rest for your soul. There was something that even happened between me and Elizabeth that while we were scooping that, it just started to work. We started to know where each other was going. We started to kind of know what my role was, what her role was. And it, it became, I was good at my role and she was good at hers. And we, we, we kind of intermingled a little bit as we went, but kind of found our way. But prior to that, it was a fight, spiritually and physically, mentally, emotionally. It was a battle. Learning is a process, church. That's what we're doing with this book. You are not, you have not arrived. As awesome as you think you are, you've not arrived. We're not there yet. All of us. Learning is a process. And I want you to know, you didn't get overloaded overnight. Overloading takes time. You learned that. Now we've got to unlearn it. God says, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble. Why are those things so important in relieving stress? Because I believe that the antidote to our biggest causes of overload are two things. They are aggression and arrogance. Aggression and arrogance. What are those? Aggression. We don't want to wait. Something that we talked again in small group this morning is about, uh, I didn't say this this way, but God's waiting room is the hardest waiting room to wait in because we want it now and we really want it the way we want it. But then arrogance is that we want to control everything. We want to control everything. I know what's. I, I not only know what's best for me, I know what God says, I not only know what's, what's best for you, but I want to control. I, I, it's, it's, the, it's the problem that we have in marriage. It's the problem that we have in jobs. It's the problem with our ego. We want to do it all. We want to have it all. We want to try to please everybody and we want to try to act like Superman. But then God says, Jesus says, My way is gentle and humble. I need to remind myself, and you need to remind yourself, I'm not the Savior of everybody. You're not the Savior of everybody. And I can't can't control everything. So what's Jesus' secret of peace? He only does what the Father tells him to do. He says, I just do what God tells me to do. Why don't you try trusting God instead of worrying about everything and see if that doesn't lower your stress level? Look at at, uh, Proverbs chapter um, 20, verse 24. Since the Lord is directing our steps, why do we try to understand everything that happens along the way? That's a tough one a little bit because God wants us to have understanding and he wants his Holy Spirit to teach us, but there comes, comes a time where God's way is bigger than ours and we just can't always get it. But he expects us to still step. That's faith. Faith is stepping where we don't know if even there's a step there, but God's saying, right, here's your way. I want you to step this way even though you don't really know what you're doing. It, uh, Jesus shows us this when he, uh, uh, when he came out to the boat and the, fish, the, the fishermen had been fishing all night the disciples had been fishing all night and not, didn't catch anything they had worked all day and then here comes Jesus a non-fisherman he's a carpenter right he says hey have y'all caught anything you know what that feels like when someone asks you how you've performed and you've performed lousy hey how'd you do not good thanks for reminding me but yeah not good try casting on the other side of the boat just right where you are just just throw it out there um we're worn out you don't fish we do we're tired we're not going to get paid this stinks but okay toss it over there boys and what happens They toss the nets over, they get so much that the nets start to break and it feels like the boats are gonna sink. They had to get help to carry off all that was done. Now, we're out here and we're trying with everything that we've got to do it the way that we know to do it because we're good at it and we're smart and we have experience and then it fails. God says, wait a minute, I've got you. Can we try this again? Come and do it my way one time. I know you can't understand it, but I want you to try it anyway. That's faith. Even with a bad attitude of throwing the nets out on the other side, even though they didn't want to and were worn out, they did it. They were obedient to God's word through the nets, and here it all came. I want you to know there is a better plan for you. There is a better future for you. But it's going to take you giving up control. It's going to take you battling with your arrogance and your pride It's gonna take you battling with your mind and it's gonna take you learning God's ways and trying it a different way. One of the hardest things for someone to teach me is something that I know. I don't even want to listen to you because I know how to do it. But one of the most amazing things is when I've done something and someone shows me a better way and I can somehow learn I'm the most stubborn person ever. I had one time, I think it was my mom, or somebody said I was obstinate. And as ignorant as I am, I had to go look that word up. I thought, Ooh, what's obstinate? That sounds kind of cool. Uh, not so much. You changing your way is, is very challenging. But you can do it. You can do it, and you don't have to understand everything. When I get around wise people, and they speak into my life, and first of all, I think, nah, that's not the right way to do it. But God's saying, wait a minute, are you listening? Because I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you through these men and women in your life. But you're not listening. You're not listening. Psalm 142, verse 3 Says, when I'm ready to give up. Now let me just stop before we say the next part. Many of you are here ready to give up. Ready to give up on your job, ready to give up on your marriage, ready to give up on your life, ready to ready to just give up. And you're not the you're not the bad one because you're there. We've all been there. I've been there. Enough already. You know, Peter, when when Jesus died on the cross, he just said, I'm done with this. I'm going fishing. Go back and read that. The Apostle Peter, who had walked with Christ, watched him die on the cross and is just like, enough's enough. I'm going back to what I know how to do. You're not alone. When you're ready to give up, you're finally primed for God to start you. Have you ever hit the primer on a lawnmower? Buddy, when that gas is in there, it's just waiting to be pulled. When you're ready to give up, he knows what I should do. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. So number five, you've got to stay connected to your church family. You've got to stay connected. I want you to know if you go look at what what the Great Commission is or what anything that Jesus instructed us to do, it has to do with being with other people. We don't get to remove that part. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 says, The Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. God hates loneliness. But being alone and being lonely are two very different things. Being alone with God, that's a good thing. But being lonely, that's not a good thing. Whether you're married or not, you need relationships. You need people in your life. We need each other. That's why we emphasize here small groups. If you're not in a small group, you can get picked off real easy. We've talked many times about the predator is always looking for that one that's alone, not the group. You need to be in a group. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Let us not give up on the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. So I want to just joke for just a minute about, so the last two weeks, two weeks ago, we had just a stage full of people that just joined the church. It's one of the most incredible services ever. The next week was Easter service and we had a full church. Now Easter's over and we just got holes everywhere. Where is everybody? Now it's sunny. There's a lot of people at the lake, but we're less than half of what we were last week. I'd say maybe even a third. Recognize who's missing and go get them. Why? Because you love them. God called us to love people. And you know, if if they will recognize that you love them, they'll be a part of this family. We have have been programmed to kind of come in and out, to jump around. That is not what God intended. God intended connection. He intended family that knows when one's hurting, that knows when one's going through something, that knows when one's happy, that knows when one's missing. You know, the shepherd noticed when he had 100 that one was missing. And he left the, the 99 and went and got the one. Now that's on you. You go find who's sitting next to you, and you go get them and let them know they're loved and that we want them here. And I wouldn't even invite them to church. Invite them to your small group. I just said that. Invite them to church, (laughs) but invite them to your small group. It's in small group that I get to know everybody, not in this setting. Met a first-time guest, I'm sorry, I'm going to point you out just for a second. Met a first-time guest, tried to spend about a good five minutes to get to know him because we can't do it in this room. It's a poor job. I didn't do a great job of getting to know you, but I sure tried. That's not God's intention is us just sitting here and doing a thing as a big group and then going home. No, he wants you to connect and to get built up and to be encouraged. We can't love one another unless we can get one-on-one or two-on-two or four-on-four. Jesus had to to strip it down to twelve. You know, when there's 12 of us, I know when one's missing. And I usually know why. Because I know them. Church, figure out who sits next to you, get to know them, love on them, bring them into your fold. My preaching's better than your responding. <laughs> this is God's deal, not mine. God's ideal is the church, not mine. You know, if you were to take charcoal, get it lit, get it all piled up together, they all start burning hot. But if you remove one, that one will not stay lit. It'll go out. But you move it back to the warmth, and it'll fire right back up. Part of our job is to help that coal that's missing get back into the group. Don't even have to do anything special. Just get them back in. They will catch fire again. We think we've got to have all this bells and whistles. We don't. We just have to have each other. Why? Because the spirit of God's in me, not in the program. Spirit of God's in me. I'm the difference maker. You're the difference maker. You're the church, not the program. I don't care if we do the greatest programs ever. That's not what's going to light us. What's going to light us is the spirit of God in us. The fifth thing in order to keep the tank full is you've got to stay together. You're going to burn out if you don't. What's weighing you down? Problems, finances, health issues. God has called you here today, and he is saying, come to me. Come to me. Let's finish where we started. The church is Christ's body, and it is filled with Christ who completely fills everything else. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Church, this is the most important invitation you'll ever receive in your life the call of Jesus saying, come to me. Have you done that? Probably been in church your whole life, but you never really came to Jesus. Or maybe this is your first time. It's time to come to Jesus, to learn to trust. Will you guys pray with me? I just want to genuinely ask you, have you ever really come to Jesus? This is the starting point of unloading. It's the starting point of filling your tank. Right now, right where you are, tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what's frustrating you. You know, there are times that we even share our deepest, darkest stuff with our best friends, but they don't want to hear it or they don't hear it. Jesus hears it. He will never ignore you. He wants to partner with you and he wants to be your pace setter. You're running at a ridiculous rate and the Lord wants to set your pace. So just pray right now, just write in your heart, just say, dear God, I'm tired of being tired all the time. I'm tired of trying to control everything. I'm tired of living a life without rest for my soul. Forgive me, Lord, for all the things I've tried to do. I've tried to be God, and I've tried to control everything. And for the things that I've turned to for relief instead of turning to you, Jesus, I turn to you right now. You are the most important thing in my life, and I trust you to lead me and guide me in the right way. Father God, today I just make a commitment to get to know you and to follow you. Father God, give me the courage and the strength to make a life change, to change my direction. God, you've done it all. Now it's time for me to claim what you've done, to follow you and to trust you, to give up control and to come to you. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, I just change for just a second and say, God, I just ask you to bless our church leadership as we're getting ready to start praying and to uh, nominate new leaders. God, raise up the right leaders. Father, give us the wisdom to know who to nominate. Let us be in your word and filled with your spirit. And God, I just ask you to continue to bless this church that we would follow in the right direction, that we would follow your leading and follow your Holy Spirit, that, God, you would just bring increase to every area. God, this is your gig, and, Lord, we just submit and humble ourselves to what your plan is for our church. Thank you, Lord. Now, as we leave, help us to just stick around and connect with one another. Get plugged in to what it is that you're doing in your church. Thank you, Lord. Give us a great week this week, week of doors opening, week of favor, a week of breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.